What if you had the next world-changing business idea? Your business idea could change the trajectory of someone's life or impact the way people interact or have an impact on the environment or give people access to clean drinking water or create urban farming and give people more access to affordable real food. Whatever it is, you have this idea and it could change lives. But the reality for you is you don't have the resources to actually implement the idea. Maybe it's money or the support, or the technology. You know your idea is gold, and you know you can do it, but you just don't have what you need to actually get it done. What if there was someone, or even a group of people, or an organization who would come alongside you to help change the world? Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show's all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an all-around amazing person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Kate Goodall, the co-founder and CEO of Halcyon House, one of the world's premier and honestly most unique business incubators I've ever come across. What they are doing to cultivate entrepreneurs from around the world in the social good space is incredible. And if you've ever wondered what diving for shipwrecks and running a business have in common, then you're gonna love this episode. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Kate. Hey Kate, welcome to the show. Hi, Molly. Pleasure to be here. I'm so happy to have you. And you, we, we were just talking before we got started recording that we sort of switched places. You're in Washington, D.C., which is where I grew up. And I'm in North Carolina, which is where you went to school. So I like that we both kind of have like a, a regional connection to each other. Yeah, we just flipped down Highway 95. Yeah, exactly. In a lot of traffic. <laughs> in a lot of traffic. Um, so Kate, we I really want to just dive right in. So I'm going to have you give us what I have all my guests do, and that is the Kate 101. So tell us your story, who you are, what is it you do, and all about um, what Halcyon House does. Absolutely. Um, so should I start with me or Halcyon? Um, how about you start with you? Okay. So my name's Kate Goodall, uh, which a lot of people immediately say, oh, like Jane. Um <laughs> <laughs> to which I say, I am honored to be in the same class as Jane. Um, and I wish I was related, but I don't think I am. Um, but I was born in England in St. Albans, which is in a county called Hertfordshire, just north of London. And uh, my father died when I was three. Um, and my mother remarried to an American when I was 14 and dragged me across the Atlantic. Um, it all worked out for the best, but it was pretty jarring at the time. Oh, I can um, imagine. And, <laughs> so I went to high school in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, not far from, from DC. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and then I went down to North Carolina for my undergrad and graduate school. Um, big humanist, I studied English and French and film in my undergrad, and then I went on to um, uh, study maritime archeology span and history for my master's degree. Um, and uh, essentially spent four years diving on shipwrecks as a result. What? Uh, That's yeah, awesome. It was pretty great. It was pretty great. Um, not as glamorous as you might think. In The Great Lakes are pretty cold. Spent some time there. Wow. Um, North Carolina is very dingy and often, you know, you're diving in, in zero visibility water. Wow. Um, but it was it was amazing. Um, and 
I, I always tell people who are curious how that sort of has any relative bearing on what I do now. It actually, it actually has really helped because you learn not to panic when you're diving and um, when you're running an organization, it's a really useful skill set to to flip back to, uh, you know, in, in a situation where uh, you might otherwise panic. You really do start to use that muscle memory to sort of just remind yourself to breathe and take stock of the situation and take a break if you need to and be thoughtful about your next steps. Um, so it is, it is, I, I think it has supremely relative bearing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so then I moved back to Washington to become a, a an assistant curator at the Naval Historical Center, wow. which is a lovely museum inside the Navy Yard here. And I worked at different museums and museum-related organizations until I met the incredible um, Dr. Sachiko Kuno, who was looking to grow the scope and impact of her foundation. Um, Dr. Kuno is this amazing entrepreneur from Japan. Uh, she uh, grew a biotech company, a couple of biotech companies um, from scratch. and. Uh, uh, was the first woman to graduate with a degree in biochemistry from Kyoto University. Um, wow. So she's a real believer in the power of human innovation and human creativity. Yeah. Um, and together we took um, a property that she bought called Halcyon um, and started to think about what it might look like as a place where the next generation of creatives and change makers could um, find uh, sanctuary and really be able to think very big um, and what what would a program that do, does that look like so we started to talk this is where my story kind of intertwines with Halcyon yeah um, we started to talk with uh, organizations obviously that are experts in this space like Echoing Green and Ashoka and uh, certainly the State Department and UN Foundation and just to find out how we could be mindful and not um, recreate something that either didn't work or was already being done. And uh, certainly a, an area that they all pointed to as a, a big gap was the fact that no one really does uh, living. No one provides living space. Mm. Um, and one thing that Halcyon has is, is many, many, many bedrooms. Wow. So uh, in a very expensive city, we created a program where the best social entrepreneurs from around the world can come and live with us for free for five months. Months. Um, they get a stipend of $10,000. They get an excellent mentor in their field. They have a community of experts uh, around them, but more importantly, people that can support them and cherish them. Because when you say things like, I'm going to innovate the foster care system, you're not immediately greeted with open arms. It's right. usually skepticism first, right? So we really do create an environment where people can um, uh, sort of feel the opposite of that, feel a little bit of hope and optimism about what they're trying to achieve. Um, and uh, they get a number of other resources. We have a wonderful partnership with Deloitte uh, that gives them a lot of business capacity building support, the ability to um, maybe get some market research on the area of the world that they're trying to disrupt. Uh, things that, you know, at an early stage, you couldn't possibly imagine being able to afford in terms of resource. And Arnold and Porter, which gives them um, legal representation to help them with negotiations and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a very uh, robust suite of supports that we give these these entrepreneurs so that they can take a brilliant idea that they have and really um, start to scale it. Yeah. So when you met Dr. Kuno, I mean, you were working in museums. And so when when did this sort of 
you know, kind of transition happened for you where you left the museum space and entered into really more of an entrepreneurship and and business leading and mentorship type role. I mean, it really I mean, I loved the analogy you said earlier about diving on shipwrecks is actually not that different from running a business like that is this the best business analogy ever. Um, but I, you know, I'm just curious as to at what point did you really think, you know what, I think this is the the direction I want to take. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's funny, the world we live in now really demands people specialize, doesn't it? It's, um, yeah. whereas I'm, I'm personally, I'm innately curious about so many things. Me too, me too. You know, and it's, uh. And I just, I guess I think of myself more as a, a humanist, like I, you know, what I studied really ranged pretty widely. Um, and I'm fascinated by the breadth of human experience and and human problems, right? And, and our innate ability to solve for them as well. So even though my training was in museums, um, you know, and, and I certainly sort of ran the gamut there as well from... Uh, curation to registrar work to fundraising and communications um, you know it wasn't a very hard transition for me personally and right. I think Dr. Kuno was someone who really just saw my my curiosity and and drive and uh, um, and I think she'd received a recommendation from one of my mentors that you know I, I could make that kind of leap so yeah um, it was a wonderful opportunity to sort of, I think, go after something that really allowed me to stretch to the full extent of my curiosity. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Um, and now at Halcyon, you know, we, we sort of similarly, we're not just focused on social entrepreneurship. We're really more focused on providing um, space and community and access for people uh, who have creativity and compassion. And that doesn't necessarily just mean social entrepreneurs. We now have another program that is designed for um, artists who are working in social change and social justice. So they have a similar suite of, of supports, a uh, place to live, a studio, etc. Um, and there's something wonderful about being in the middle of this swirling mass of of uh, creativity and kindness. Yeah. You know, the entrepreneurs and the artists really uh, inspire each other and learn from each other. And I just don't know if if sort of like shutting ourselves off into silos is is really serving us all, all the time. Yeah. I recognize that sometimes it's very necessary that you have to go deep. You have to sometimes spend your whole life dedicated to one topic to be able to really move the ball on it. But I think uh, very often, and particularly in the 21st century, our um, the need is actually for us to be able to synthesize a lot of information from a lot of different topics. Absolutely. I love that you said that you just, you, you know, you're more of, you know, somebody who just has a lot of interest in a lot of different things. And I, that's me too. And it's funny, it, I don't think it was really till I got into my 30s that I realized that that was actually an asset. And for so long, mm-hmm. you know, I had, because I'd originally gone to college, a musical theater major, and then I changed to mm-hmm. English. And then I taught high school. And I've done like, when I look back over the last 15 years, I think like, man, I've done a lot of really different things. And at first, I remember for a long time I was I was just in that mental space where I kept thinking I needed to focus and I needed to just do one thing because that was what you're you know what I don't know the quote unquote they say you're supposed to do mm-hmm. and instead now it's all becoming so much more clear to me that all these different skill sets that I have and these interests that I have like they're beginning to merge and 
I'm seeing, oh, that's why I was interested in so many different things because it's given me a unique skill set to be able to combine those interests into one one thing. And, you know, I'm able to use my love of fashion to talk about um, ethical fashion because I'm really passionate about ending human trafficking and how how does the fashion industry have an impact on human trafficking and all those types of things, you know, really in the end they merge together. And I never would have thought that that would have ever you know, been been something that I could do for a living is talk about these um, these things and talk about social entrepreneurship and talk about social justice and all those those things that fire me up. And so I just I, I think it's really cool that you are able to take your different passions and really kind of hone it into Halcyon House and what you do now. And um, yeah, and I think you know we always it's in the abstract we always tell children right to just follow your dreams, right. do what you love, you know, but it's, <laughs> it's so true though. If you can, it's hard to do. And certainly some people don't have the luxury even to do that, but it is, if you can do it, it it's amazing to sort of just see how it coalesces over time into a very authentic, um, thing. Yeah. Um, it, but it is hard to see from the, the end, uh, when you're younger, <laughs> that, it, that it makes any kind of sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so we kind of touched on it a little bit and we've, um, you know, kind of bounced around around it a little bit, but I want to really dive deep into what House and House does. So yes. it is, it's a business incubator for, for creative social entrepreneurs from all around the world, but you guys really take a, like you said earlier, a unique approach. I mean, I, one, I love the fact that these these people get to live with each other. I can't imagine what that does for just their, uh, you know, their support system, their um, ability to bounce ideas off of each other, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so really, I'd really love to kind of just, you know, if, if somebody's like, what is a business incubator? What what is exactly does this mean? Can you kind of give us the you know, the, the, you know, sort of surface level explanation, but just really dive deep into what makes you guys unique. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think that there's a, when was it sort of five or plus years ago, there's, there was a boom in terms of incubators and startups yeah. and um, part of it, part, part of it driven by the recession and the fact that millennials really had to create jobs or they weren't going to have them. Yes, um, exactly. But also there was just definitely a lot sort of like the sex appeal in the media around this, this, sort of tech boom and the, the idea of an incubator. And so there's been a lot of explosion in that and in, and in shared workspace. Um, and now I think we're getting to the point that, you know, it happens with the evolution of any domain or field where, you know, you're now really starting to examine, okay, which ones are working really well and, and why and what it is, what is it that they're doing that's perhaps different, that's giving them the edge. And we've seen, you know, sort of some incubators shut down or emerge. And, and I think that, you know, we're starting to see, um, you know, leaders in certain areas. And we certainly think of ourselves as one of the leaders in, in social entrepreneurship mm -hmm. uh, incubation. And I think the thing, our secret source that gives us kind of the edge in that is, is a few things. Uh, one, it is that we provide this unprecedented model for time and space. Yeah. Um, and I mean that in the literal sense, like they actually get free space so that they can um, not have to worry about paying rent or bills or anything like that. And that really does level the playing field in terms of who can consider this, because people forget sometimes that, you know, people who don't necessarily have parents' basements they can live in and networks of investors in their back pocket, uh, you know, this isn't as easy a risk to take. Mm -hmm. um, but we really uh, equalize that, that 
um, opportunity by providing living space and all of these other supports. Um, but it also means headspace, right? Like mm. after college, it's very difficult to just get the headspace to to clear your brain and focus completely on this one great idea that you have, which is exactly what you need to do um, when you've hit on something like that. Um, so that that really, I think, is, is part of it. The other thing, and you kind of Im implied it when you were talking about the beauty of them being able to live together, um, it builds this amazing community. I mean, yeah. we refer to it uh, a little cultishly as the Halcyon family, right? <laughs> but you are, when you're here, you're part of a family and, and uh, and not only do the, uh, the entrepreneurs help each other uh, by maybe writing a grant or reviewing another one's website or designing a prototype, but they more importantly really are there for each other emotionally. Yeah. Um, there are so many nasty uh, uh, analogies when you talk about entrepreneurship. People talk about staring into the abyss. They talk about chewing glass. They talk about all kinds of you know really um, wonderful but daunting things and and. Um, it is. It's. It's. It takes an awful lot of grit and determination, and you have to overcome some um, some demons externally and internally to be yeah. successful. And and to have a built-in community, not only of the people that are within your the class that you enter here with, but uh, the people who've come before you and and the team that we've built at Halcyon, uh, I think really does give people a, a considerable edge. Um, and then lastly, uh, you know, we, we like to think that we provide access. So one of the great things about being in DC and something else that I think is very special about Halcyon um, is that in this city, we can access uh, policymakers yes. and, and yes. reach out to, you know, anyone in the world through the embassy network and the World Bank and uh, others and, and providing a clear pathway, not only for our entrepreneurs to reach to those places, because uh, many of them are not scaling businesses, ultimately they're scaling federal or global solutions, um, but also for them to reach back to the people that have the, uh, you know, solutions that they need. Um, this is a very, this is a very uh, special city for that. So, um, and then on top of that, we don't take equity. Mm. You know, we really come at this from a philanthropic standpoint. Wow. So, um, you know, I think, you know, there's many models. There's some wonderful incubators around the world. And, and yeah. uh, we think we're sort of emerging as, as one that has a very um, unique and important model. Yeah. So I have sort of two follow up questions to that. Yeah. One, since you guys don't take any equity, which a lot of incubators do, what is how exactly do you guys, you know, on the business side for you, how do you guys make it work? Yeah, it's a it's a good question and one I get frequently. Um, so we are lucky enough that, um, you know, Dr. Kuno, who's my co-founder, um, gives the buildings that we operate from, which is now now two, one for the incubator and one for the arts lab, um, completely, you know, out of the goodness of her heart. Wow. Um, and uh, then I raise money with my team here for mm. uh, to pay for the operations, yeah. which are not unconsiderable, but, um, you know, certainly it's it's. Uh, Dr. Kuna's large donation makes this very, very possible. Um, and then we have some very generous um, board members and, and corporate partners um, and foundations that we work with that really uh, allow for the rest. I know you are loving this conversation with Kate, and I wanted to just take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show who was able to make this show possible, and that is Causebox. You know by now my love for Causebox. They are my favorite ethical quarterly subscription box, and I have been a member for over two years. 
Causebox is curating the best products that do the most good. In each seasonal box, you'll find everything from accessories to home goods and jewelry to the best in skincare and wellness products. Not only are the products made by some of my favorite companies, oftentimes Causebox actually collaborates with these companies to make exclusive products just for their seasonal box. These are limited edition products that you can't get anywhere else. The products are not just beautiful, they're also useful. And each box delivers amazing value with a guarantee of over $150 worth of products for just $54.95. Or if you use my gift code Molly, that's $39.95. And best of all, the impact of each cause box makes the whole membership even more worth it. Their upcoming spring box, for example, employed more than 600 artisans under fair trade conditions in India and Kenya. And this box put 100 young girls in India through school. I actually got a little sneak peek of the Spring Cause Box and oh my goodness, it's incredible. It's incredible. They really seem to outdo themselves every single season and I cannot wait for this box to be released. To sign up, go to stillbeingmolly.com slash causebox and use that coupon code Molly for $15 off. Now back to my conversation with Kate. I would love if you don't mind, and I don't know if there's like a good example that you can kind of share. I'd love for you to just kind of share an example of a business that you guys were able to really help get started and, and maybe, you know, just kind of that success story of, of seeing the idea, you know, working with them through the process and then kind of where they are now. Oh my gosh. So many, uh, don't know where to start. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so if I can if I can do a couple, you yes, know, we have, absolutely. Um, we we really sort of have a lot of fellows that have um, been very successful in the food space and the healthcare space. Mm. Um, certainly, lots of other uh, fields, but um, just by sort of hands off selection, selecting the best uh, ideas and yeah. the the most talented entrepreneurs, we seem to have uh, sort of uh, ended up creating a little bit of a pool for, for those particular fields. Um, and one that jumps immediately to mind is, is Uptop Acres, uh, who are currently operating predominantly in the, the DMV area, but certainly have the potential to scale much more broadly. And they, uh, they farm on top of buildings. Um, I have heard about this. Yeah, I, saw, I think amazing. I saw a video about it on Facebook or some or Twitter or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised. And they've just expanded, uh, sort of added a couple more acres, which is considerable when you think about acres on tops of buildings. But their big vision is that you could fly over the city and just see green. That's amazing. Um, But the the immediate, you know, advantages are that, uh, you know, you prevent stormwater runoff, you um, lower utilities bills in buildings, and you create like fossil fuel free food because you're essentially just distributing it within the building to the residents and the restaurants and, and everything that exists there. So it's kind of, um, it's actually a really big vision. If you think about its potential for changing how we consume in, in cities. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're, they're going great guns. Um, uh, similarly, Yoko Sen, who is uh, the founder of Sen Sound, um, uh, an incredible entrepreneur. She actually started as a musician for, I think she played with Thievery Corporation and others. She woke up in a hospital one day um, and with a musician's ears, the cacophony of sound in the hospital, you can imagine, would be very difficult to mm-hmm. listen to. And um, she did a little research and realized that 
you know, not only is it unpleasant to hear all of that beeping, but it actually really um, doesn't allow for patient recovery and it, it's um, distracting for doctors. It doesn't do its job to alert them particularly well. Um, and so she started doing some design thinking around uh, improving positive sound in hospitals and eliminating um, detrimental sound, working with both the doctors and nurses and also the patients. Um, and there's a lot of money to be made there because uh, uh, patient wellness and recovery time is, you know, is exactly what uh, hospitals and insurance companies sort of evaluate. So, right. Um, so that's another, you know, just another example that springs to mind. But we have you know, entrepreneurs helping veterans, we have entrepreneurs mm. innovating foster care, we have entrepreneurs, uh, you know, uh, tackling the problem of dying coral reefs, um, uh, home care and Alzheimer's. I mean, it really runs the gamut. And, uh, you know, when we started, I think that that was something that people questioned, like, how can you serve this wide range of, of topics? Here we go again on that generalist specialist thing, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and it turns out, Molly, that um, honestly, having uh, uh, such a diverse group of people really is an advantage because they're not competing against each other. Um, so having, you know, different fields in one class, um, you know, is, is great because you don't have two sort of education um, companies going head to head for funding. Um, and the other way that we're very diverse that I'm, I'm really proud of is is. We have 52% uh, of our companies are founded or co-founded by women and 58% founded by a person of color, which is another way that, you know, I think That's we're quite awesome. differentiated, certainly when you look at uh, the majority of tech incubators. Um, and that, I think, is also an advantage. We have a, a wide range of age, ages in our entrepreneurs from 21 to 70 is our oldest entrepreneur. That's awesome. Uh, I know, I know. And again, just really useful to have the mixture of sort of, you know, youthful energy and and um, more experienced patients. Yeah. You know, they, they both have their, their strengths. That is so incredible. I, and I love those examples that you gave. They're just both incredibly unique, but really serve a, a special need. Um, and there's just clearly so many gaps that a lot of these businesses and these ideas are filling. I just, I think it's so awesome. I agree. And I think, you know, as, and you probably have heard this kind of thing before doing, doing all of your podcasts on social entrepreneurship. Um, but, you know, I, I really think that uh, when you look back over history, right, we have had many, many times when there has been this explosive growth like this right now standing on the cusp of this 21st century looking into the this the the future and how you know ai is potentially going to change everything yeah. um and there's a lot of fear around that and there's certainly a lot of wealth disparity and at other times in history you know we've had similar things this is perhaps only unique in its sort of size and, and scope but um those other points as a flash points in history have not always ended well right mm -hmm. they yeah <laughs> often often in a depression maybe war um and and i really do think that social enterprise could be the way for us to let the gas out of the balloon this one time mm -hmm. so that it is not an explosive ending right it's, right it's a way to both adjust for sort of economic pressure and also um, to create solutions for uh, some of these big problems and some of this disparity that is causing so much strife. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's still small and growing, but I do think that, that, that um, it could have the potential to, to uh, 
prevent a more catastrophic historical flashpoint. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have to ask, what is, you know, as the, you know, the co-founder of this amazing organization, what is your vision? What is uh, Dr. Kuno's vision as you guys, you know, really look to adjust with the the cultural changes and and like you said you know there was this big boom in these incubators you know back during the recession and then now we're we're looking at okay what's really working what what is your vision for the next you know kind of the immediate future as well as you know two three five ten years from now yeah so we're um we're dedicated to the power of human creativity and compassion to make the world a better place. That's really the, the essence of our our mission. And um, you know, I think that we're we're working really hard to make sure that we uh, create a smoother pathway for that for that to happen at a time when that's kind of challenging. And um, you know, I think our our vision really is to to grow. Um, to grow the uh, number of people that are successful in using that as their value set to grow businesses mm-hmm. um, and to use that critical mass over time to um, prove that, that that is possible, right? That it is, you do not have to uh, just do well, you can also do good. I know that sounds trite, but, um, but you know, gradually over time, one foot in front of the other, I think that's, that's definitely the intent and the vision. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kate, so this is the part of the show where, you know, I've had just such a great conversation with you. Um, This is my personal favorite part of the show because it's where I get to just ask you a couple fun questions and get to know you a little bit better. Um, This is also the fun part of the show where my my uh, talented husband gets to insert his own sound effect to transition. (laughs) And every week it's a surprise. I never know what he's going to come up with. Saul makes 10. 10 ought to do it, don't you think? You think we need one more? You think we need one more? All right, we'll get one more. Um, if you could steal credit for any great piece of art, song, film, book, anything like that, which credit or which which piece would you claim credit for? Oh my gosh, I would play the role of Mary Poppins. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> and of course, because you're British, I love it. <laughs> Like, no, but in all seriousness, I love Mary Poppins. I grew up watching it. And so to be Mary Poppins, yes, that'd be amazing. (laughs) Um, Would you let us hook up your recently played list on Spotify or Apple Music or whichever you use to the show? What would we what would we hear? Oh, I can go look. Hold on. I'll just. Oh, I turned my phone off. I was diligent for you. (laughs) We didn't get this interruption. No worries. Um, It's it's pretty diverse though. I'm I don't know if I'll be able to turn it on in time, but it really ranges from, you know, Beethoven to Beyonce to, you know, gosh, I don't know. But, hey, that honestly that tells me everything I need Alt, to know. Alt J is on there. I don't know if you know Alt J. I don't. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a real mixture. Beethoven to Beyonce. I'd say that's a pretty wide range. <laughs> I love it. I love it because that's how I am too. Like I'll be jamming out in my car if I don't have my kids with me. But then if I'm working, like I really love to listen to movie scores. Mm. So, you know, it, it really ranges for me too. Uh, okay. What is one product you can't live without? It could be like a beauty product or a household product. Like, is there a particular product like you can't live without it? Mm, coffee. Coffee. Would be the very immediate answer. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what else. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I like to think that I'm not very sort of uh, materialistic or, or even very sort of a, a big consumer. I'm sure that I'm more than I think, but um, <laughs> there's, no, there's no real product other than coffee. No, I think that's a good one. All right, so this last part is these are the, uh, the lightning, this, these are my lightning round questions. So they're just either or. So you just tell me the first thing that either comes to mind or uh, is, you know, uh, of either one of those things. <laughs> Uh-oh, this feels I'm very, being very articulate. I'm a little nervous. No, don't be nervous. All right. Uh, are you left-handed or right-handed? Right. Uh, books or movies? Movies. Travel by plane or by car? Plane. Would you want to visit Italy or the Caribbean? Italy. Crushed ice or cubed ice? Cubed. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Uh, coffee or tea? I know this one. Yes, there you go. Even though I'm English, I, I like both, but I'll take coffee. Uh, cake or pie? Ooh, tough. Mm, pie. Pie. I like any particular type of pie. Uh, I'm a big savory pie girl, so savory. chicken pot pie is excellent. But I, I love all pie. So we, cherry we had pie, ch- pecan pie, yes. anything you want to give me. We had chicken pot pie for dinner last night. Oh, yum. <laughs> um, and ice cream or cookies? Ice cream. Ice cream. I love it. Uh, Kate, this was so much fun. And this was so fun. Thank you, Molly, so much. Yes, it was a pleasure. And I just, I think what you guys are doing is so unique and so interesting. And I just, I can't wait to continue to see the businesses that come out of um, your program. And oh, and I wanted to, be- before we go, I don't want to forget, um, you guys actually have applications that are open right now. Yeah, so our application is open and uh, for about another month, okay. um, both for the Arts Lab and the Incubator. Um, and it's uh, the Incubator applications are uh, twice a year. So if you miss this one, you can always look at, at the fall. Uh, and the Arts Lab is once a year. So that one's a little bit more pressing. Um, but we, we love to get um, applications from all over the world. So if you have a great idea, uh, that you're ready to to make a serious move on, then I, I recommend you look into our application. That's Thank amazing. you, Molly. Absolutely. And I will be sure to include the link to that application in the show notes. So if you're listening, uh, you know, and you're interested in applying to the program, you can find out that information in the show notes, as well as how to connect with Kate and Halcyon House and all of that. Um, I, I just can't wait to continue to see how you guys grow. Thank you so much. I could have chatted with Kate for hours. She's one of those people that when you speak with her, you instantly feel like you've learned something and you feel challenged to take over the world. You know what I mean? She's incredible. And the work that Halcyon House is doing to empower creative and social entrepreneurs from around the world is amazing. Be sure to give Kate and Halcyon House some love on social media this week. I will have all of their links and information in the show notes. Another huge thank you to this week's podcast sponsor, Causebox. Don't forget to go to stillbeingmolly.com slash Causebox and use that coupon code Molly for $15 off. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. You can visit the archives of past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are changing the world with their businesses. And if you are a regular listener, I can't thank you enough for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Radio Public, Stitcher, Overcast, or whatever podcasting app you like the best and make sure you are subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode. And while you are there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review of the show? Leaving a review really does help to show me what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This recent review on iTunes from Luke says, Rarely do we try to truly explore how businesses come to be what they are as we tend to focus primarily on their success. 
In her podcasts, Molly humanizes business founders by allowing them to share their stories of not just success, but also of vulnerability. And the fact that this podcast centers on businesses with a purpose makes it even more special. I enjoy it as a listener and a former guest. Thank you so much for that review, Luke. You are awesome. And if you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast or tag me at Still Being Molly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose. <laughs>